Kurt, you got, you got juice? Yeah. Good. All right. Well, greetings, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good. I mean, I feel like I hadn't seen you all in like over a month because I haven't seen you in over a month. So uh, it is definitely good to, to be back in the rhythm. Uh, hopefully you all, all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and looking forward to uh, our month together as we push towards Christmas. Psalm 23. You know it well? What about Psalm 24? And everybody says no, right? That's what we're going to read this morning to, to begin our time together. And, and you'll notice the connection um, in our uh, in Psalm 24 and what we're going to be studying as we are continuing through Mark. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Right, Pastor Kurt? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's pray. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning we're going to pick up in chapter 4 of Mark. And I'm excited because it's a culmination of a lot of things that we've been working at for the last couple of months. They start to come together in the teachings of Jesus. Now, I know it sounds a little preachy. Forgive me. But You're a preacher. I'm a preacher. It's what I do. That's right. Um, I'm professional. Maybe. There's nothing quite like the teachings of Jesus. And we introduced it uh, two weeks ago, and, and we'll show it to you again today. I mean, the, the, the scripture is a library. It's 1,500 years. There's, there's different parts of it. Some you know, are very complex, like Ezekiel and Daniel, and some are straightforward, sort of like the Psalms. And then there's Jesus. Jesus, on the surface, if you take him just as a fortune cookie, there's not much there, right? We all know the story. We're going to talk about mustard seed. My God, how many times have you heard that story? It, it's not that much. But if you approach it as a as a student, as a trying to be a real disciple of Jesus, and you go through the process that Jesus is teaching, I think you really begin to understand there is incredible depth. And if we do our job right, you'll begin to see what the people that were listening to Jesus saw. 
Now, they understand him to be a rabbi from Galilee, living in their time, living in their day. And so there's certain ways that he communicates, certain things that he does, and they understand that. It, and we'll show some of that context that they're getting that maybe we're missing. But they also begin to realize there's something behind those eyes. There's something more to him. The things that he is saying, the things that he knows, nobody can know uh, unless, unless he's God. We introduced it two weeks ago, but I really, really want to stress, in order to get the parables, and, and we'll talk about why Jesus is doing this specifically in the Scripture, but to, to just review real quick, Jesus, 60 times in the Gospel, is referred to by all sorts of people as a rabbi. Now, that's translated usually for us as teacher. We know this. Um, but it, it means something specific when you come from Galilee, when you come from the first century. So they have a way of teaching that's not just to lecture you, not just to give you the answer. God wants you today to be nice to a homeless person, or God wants you this day to resist them. It, it doesn't work that way. What they do is they tell you scripture accounts, they tell you parables, um, they create scenarios where they're trying to get you to ask questions, and these questions will lead you to the right answer. Sort of the classic example that we've had in March so far uh, was, I guess, over a month ago now. Remember when Jesus first encountered the Pharisees? And there was a man who was ill. And so Jesus walked up to the man that was physically ill, and he said, your sins are healed. And everybody listening there sort of would have scratched their heads and said, he's in a hospital, not a church. He, he doesn't need your... Your, your religious stuff. He needs medicine. And besides, only God can forgive sins. Well, that's exactly the question Jesus intended for them to ask, because that's his main point. He then gets into the discussion about the Pharisees and the fact that he is God. So unless you know what Jesus is doing, a lot of times it just seems like a fortune cookie. But always, always, when you approach his parables, and it's harder with the shorter ones, I'll admit, but he, he's got a, a process, a, a question, uh, the right answer that he's supposed to lead you to. Now, this is how rabbis show the mastery of the text that they do. They're going to get you to say with your own lips the right answer without them having to tell you. So Jesus is engaged in this, but he does it at an incredible level. I think all this stuff is important, context, because it shows sort of where Jesus came from, and he really existed. He's a historical figure. But also, like we'll see today, when he breaks with what they expect, when he goes off script, uh, that we really, really have to pay attention to. And today he will he'll show us. So we'll pick up in verse 26. Relatively a short parable, but it packs a punch. Jesus also said, uh, here's another illustration, here's another parable of what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer planted seeds in a field, and then he went on with other activities. As the days went on, the seeds sprouted and grew without the farmer's help, because the earth produces its own. First, a leaf pushes through the head. First, a leaf pushes through, and then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, great, ripe, great grain ripens. Whew. 
And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Okay, what? <laughs> this little uh, fortune cookie farmer, uh, what? What? You're, you're God, and this is this is what you got me up for this morning. Um, so let's let's back up to Steve's psalm um, just a little bit. People in this day uh, are living in a terrible world. It's horrible. There's no good. It's terrible. Um, they have a king for part of this. Uh, you know, Herod, they call him the so-called great. I'm going to call him Herod the Horrible. I mean, the guy was a nut job. Uh, killed his own family. You know, he married... He. I'm getting into all this, but he... Because it's a lot to get it's, into. It's a lot to get into. <laughs> he, he kills a guy marries his wife um, because she's part of the old royal dynasty. Um, Her kids get upset, so he kills the kids. She cries about it, so he kills her. I mean, the guy is unhinged, and he's he's the king. He's not even a Jew, but he's the king of the country. It's horrible. The, The priesthoods are corrupted. The Romans are there. They're throwing money around. People are bribing back and forth. They're buying and selling the office of high priest, which is supposed to be, you know, something special. It's just rotten. I mean, remember John the Baptist when we started out? He was born in this priestly family, but he says, you guys are so bad. I'm going to go out in the desert and try to start over. This is bad. And then you have on top of it Rome. Rome is just brutally occupying the country. They've invaded Galilee uh, shortly before Jesus' birth twice, slaughtered people. Uh, They'll do it once in Jesus' lifetime more. Um, We've talked a little bit about it, but the Romans have this this scheme really going on. They can only tax their people so much. Roman citizens, there's limits by law. But if it's a foreign province and they're not Roman citizens, you can tax them to death. So you have politicians that are coming out of Rome, taking over these provinces and taxing the people, like Pompey the Great. This is how he raises armies for the Civil War. He goes to the east, and there's no regulation. And so they just, they're just they taking like the GDP of a country to fund their political careers. It's bad. I mean, we think our world is horrible. This, let me use a technical term here, this sucks. I mean, this is really, really terrible. But the people remember from Scripture, it's not always been this way. Like the Psalms we read, there was a time in which we had our own king, and he was a righteous king-ish. Um, we ruled. God made a covenant with us. And they hear from the prophets that this kingdom will come again, that God has not forsaken us. We can hold on to hope and that God is going to send a deliverer. Now remember, what is Mark writing for? What is Mark's whole purpose? It's not a biography of Jesus, as much as we want to make it that. What is Mark, when he started out, what did Mark tell us his job is? To prove, um, in his words, that the Basura, the gospel, has come. We won't get into all that, but he's trying to prove the Basora. Um, Basora is when all nations are brought back to Jerusalem, and there is a new king, and there's a new sheriff in town, and that king is the Messiah. 
And so Mark is proving that. Uh, One of the reasons Jesus will talk about the things that he does is because Mark is trying to prove that to you. The last thing, let me throw out quickly. Um, We know Jews in Jesus' day had a set of standard prayers. Um, Throughout the day, uh, they had different prayers that they would, like our Lord's Prayer, say. And we know Jesus prayed these for a number of reasons because he quotes some of them. The Lord's Prayer is a combination of these prayers. These prayers are called the standing prayers, the Amidah. So you stand up when you pray them. But in the morning, sort of before you have your coffee, the the last of these prayers that you pray is called the Aleinu, and it means our obligation. And I think I have a slide for it. This is the last thing you say before you go to work. Um, It's the Aleinu, Steve, after, yeah. So this is the last prayer you say before you go to work. Um, Well, shoot. There we go. Referring to God... We're going to get there. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This is a mess. Well, I can summarize it. It's pretty good. Hold on. Now. Yeah. All right, hold on. Playing Tom Brady in a cowboy uniform. <laughs> I think you were gone that week, Tim. You miss a week, you miss a lot. Let's just go, let's only just way to this. keep him out of the Super Bowl. You can see it. Okay. So here's the last part of it. He is our God. There is no other. Truly, he is our king. There is no one else. As is written in his Torah, you shall know and take to heart this day that the Lord is God and in the heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So the last thing they're focusing on before they get to work is the realization that we have a king. And that, in a sense, it's here now. It's coming. So whatever we do today, no matter how many times the Romans brutalize us, no matter how many times the Romans rape my daughter, no matter how many times they crucify my brother, I'm not going to lose focus on the fact that there is a king in heaven and he's going to come and save me. Please understand, this is all these people have left. This is their last straw to try to survive this. So when Jesus gets into these conversations about kingdom, again, it's not fortune cookie. This is life and death. This is what is sustaining them. The people that still have faith, that are trying to hold on, are very interested that this kingdom is going to come and God's going to do something about the mess that they're living in. I want to make a, make a point, especially if you were with us during our study on David. Um, the... Uh, situation that the Israelites were in that Kurt just described. One could make the argument that the reason that they're in the situation that they are is because of a request that they made all the way back in the book of Samuel. You remember? Who was supposed to be their king all along? God. And that wasn't good enough. You remember? They wanted to be like all the other nations around them and so they begged Samuel, give us a king. What God say? Yeah. Right. So you could make that argument that here they are, and uh, that this that then now it's like, oh my gosh, we are desperately sorry, and we long for the day when you were truly our king. 
And so Jesus says these phrases, the kingdom of God is light. Hey, this is what now you're signing up for. How bad do you really want it? That's one of the things that the parables does. It doesn't spoon feed you the answer, right? But how bad do you really want to sink in and listen, ponder, and take to heart what your king, who is right there in the flesh now, is saying to you? Yeah, always as we go through this, yeah, question. What scripture is that? Um, so it's it's the last portion. It's called the Elenu. It's the last section of the Elenu out of the Amidah. It's not a. It's 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 a prayer. Yeah, it's a prayer book. So it's always good, I think, when we we look at what they did and the mistakes that they made. They're like our older brother, right? Yeah, right. Um, so you learn not to do what they did. Um, not just that your older brother is wrong. Did America ask for God to be their king? No. Do we do it today? I mean, I'm getting a lot of trouble here, but I would put up our incompetent leadership, (laughs) right? The same categories and competent leadership in the first century. (laughs) The more things change, the more they stay the same, brothers and sisters. Um, There there you go. Uh, So... Jesus, I think, speaks into it uh, then just as he does now. But this this wild thing about farming. I mean, Jesus, we're talking about war, and we're talking about defeating Rome, and we're talking about David. You're talking about farming? So is anybody here a farmer or grew up a farmer? Yeah, I mean, it's it used to be all of us, right? I mean, we're really separated uh, from the way it used to be. Um, I, I didn't. Steve grew up in a farming family. I didn't. We have farm land, but we didn't farm it. Um, but I pastored farmers, which is interesting. I learned two things about farmers. They don't do anything fast, except for drive. And farmers know a little bit about everything. Right? They're jacks of all trades. They're, they're a little bit engineer, a little bit welder, a little bit electrician, a little bit botanist, a little bit horticulturist. They have to do a little of everything. They're not maybe not masters at everything, but they, they have to they have to be able to do a little of everything. I think Jesus is playing on some of that, that they know a little bit about everything when it comes to farming. And so he, he's going to push it a little bit. And if I do a good job, I'll, I'll hopefully show how shocking this is. So he tells the farmers, all right, you really have two parts of farming. What, what are the parts he lays out in the parable? Yeah. You sow, uh, in the text it actually says night and day. And so Jesus is loading that, that there is emphasis. The kingdom is like this farmer. There is this desire to have the kingdom that, that we plant night and day. Now it's a little bit of a misnomer. The, the Jews think the day starts at sunset. So the beginning of the day for them as uh, is at, at sunset, is the end of the day, and then it goes to sunset the next day. So they're, they're trying to say, you sow all day. Uh, you're, you're really, really trying this. This this is what you want. You're trying to sow these seeds to grow the kingdom. You want this desperately. But take a reality check. You plant the seeds, and then you're involved in the harvest. But who really is doing all of the work in the farming. 
God, yeah, the plant. I mean, saying you you don't really understand it. It happens. The nature brings forth. It it it's, it does its thing. So follow Jesus's question here. He's talking about this process. You want the kingdom to come. You're a farmer. You've been around these plants your whole life. You are pretty convinced you know how this is going to go. But he's saying you don't know how this is going to go. Your part of this is at the beginning to plant the seeds. Let me do what I do. And then you're to be involved in the harvest, literally the bringing forth of the good, which if you know we talked about the seeds and all of that. This is a pretty hard pill to swallow, really where he's going with them on this. And I know it brings me up short too because I work for God. I study scripture. I I do these things. I, I would never say I know God's will for certain, but I have a pretty good idea. I mean, we, we really do know. But Jesus is reminding us, no, you really don't. You don't know how this is going to go. And the way that you all again tend to get in trouble is you imagine, well, it's got to be this way. You know, I've got to live 98 years and have a perfect wife and two perfect kids and have a job. You know, we... If God loves me, he will do these kind of things. Let me, let me just get to brass tacks where this world broke into me. Um, I was a young pastor, married, beautiful wife. Um, we got pregnant with our first child. Um, my wife got sick, went in the hospital. Um, my child was born prematurely, had to be put on um, life support, basically, and was dead four days later. That was hell. That was not the way it was supposed to be. I didn't know all the details about my kid's life. But God was not supposed to do that to me. I worked for him. I'm a pastor. I gave my life to him. We're those farmers. We're around it a lot. We know, well, you know, they're going to come up probably next week. And if they get this amount of rain, you know, they'll do this. We're those jacks of all trades that know about life. But we've got Jesus telling us here, you really don't know. There is a level of complexity, a level of what God is doing that really is beyond us. And I don't say that glibly because I work really hard to try to understand as much as we can. But think about the end of Job in the Old Testament. You know the story of Job, right? We always talk about the beginning of Job. Job loses his family, loses his kids, loses everything. So he goes through these uh, horrible sections of advice from his friends, <laughs> and they're all wrong. <laughs> you know, all the counselors, everything he went to, they're all wrong. Um, and then he finally gets to see God at the end. And what's God's answer to him? Do you know? It's a hard pill. This is above your pay grade, Job. It really is. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to take care of you. There's going to be a harvest. But the inner workings that I have to go through, it really is beyond you. And that's hard to hear sometimes. Because what happens is we look backwards and we think, oh man, um, these people were stupid. They missed the point. Well, we're smarter because we're looking at the answers. 
But in your own life, if Jesus is telling this parable, he's saying, all right, your job is to get those seeds for the kingdom out there. And you need to do it. You need to do it night and day. You need to do it hard. And then you need to be ready when I bring the people back to you. But the way that this is going to go down, you're not going to be able to predict it. And when you can't predict it, you get squirrely. Um, You get desperate, uh, which is exactly what the people are going to do. I'm reading a book right now that uh, I'm not finished with, so it's bad to recommend, but it's it's a really, really good book. It's called For the, the Freedom of Zion. And it's about the most comprehensive study I've seen in a long time of the war um, from 66 to 78, where the Jews revolt against Rome. Um, you know, the casualty figures they're working with is about a million people right. died in eight years. Um, the population of Judah is, is about a million. Um, now, not the whole population died, but... But when you get the Romans factored in and the other people that are killed, I mean, this is apocalyptic end times war. And the Jews didn't know what else to do other than fight and fight and fight and fight because the kingdom wasn't there. They didn't see it. Um, so this parable that we're just talking about farming, it's, it's far more than, than we really give it credit for. You and God are partners, but you are very much the junior partner. And even though you've been with him for a long time, don't think you can second guess everything he's going to do. If he gets off, things go strange to you. Don't lose faith. Don't, don't abandon. Don't get desperate. Don't turn to your own devices like David tends to do. Uh, stay, stay with the, the theme that the kingdom is coming. Yeah. I just want you to notice something that this is the, uh, well, let me ask the question first. What is the thing in the Gospels, not just Mark, but all the Gospels that Jesus talks about the most? Kingdom of God. Thank you. Good job, Tim. Yeah. Well, I was just, I was trying to remember, is this the first time that he mentions the kingdom of God in Mark? It's actually the second time. So the first time is back in Mark 1, 15. So you need to make a note of that. Remember, when he mentions the kingdom of God there, it's connected to one of our favorite words, repentance. Which is exactly what Pastor Kurt's been talking about. Is that we think we have it all figured out. We think we, 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 we know how things are going to go down. How things work. Repentance is literally to change your mind or to change the way that you think. So this parable, it's like giving us this big old window of like, okay, what do we do? What do we do while this thing starts to grow? We've done the work. We've done the planting. What do we do? The psalm, what did it say about seeking? Who do we seek? We seek God's face, right? And when you come you, you like move all this stuff together, like whenever we talk about a kingdom, I mean that just sounds almost like a churchy like churchy words, right? <laughs> like churchy words. Well, there's really five things that you need to upload here when you think about when you read about the kingdom of God. 
Number one, you have a king. And that king is who? God. God, and then uh, God with flesh on? Jesus, right? And Jesus is speaking this parable, but he is the king. He is the one that Israel has been looking for, the Messiah. All right? Number two, that this king uh, reigns in two ways. So this is like A, part two, A and B. He rules by saving his people, by redeeming them, by claiming them, by gathering them, the Besorah, gathering people from all nations. And he rules over them. He is their Lord. So we talk about in, when people get baptized, we ask them, do you receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, right? That's the second part, that he reigns, that our king reigns. And he reigns over a third, a people. And that people is us. And that that place of partnership, one of our, if, we're, if we're junior partners like Pastor Kurt uh, argues here, that our place as junior partners is to keep our eye on the senior partner. Right? And that we seek his face. Um, fourth, so we've got people, that's us. Fourth is uh, that he has a will. He has a way of life that he has called us to live into. And that will is being fleshed out, not only in the Old Testament, uh, the Torah, first five books, but that Jesus' interpretation, his yoke, his understanding of that will is being fleshed out in the Gospels. And that is what we give our life for. That we don't yield over to the, the temptation to give into our own will and way, but we yield to the way of Jesus. And the, the fifth thing, and this is kind of the hardest part, kind of hardest one for us, is when you think about a kingdom, there's got to be a land, right? The land of Israel was the kingdom of God. That's what they were, they were thinking, but as Jesus sends out his apostles at the end of the Gospels, that every place that they go, and they take up this space with this way of living and being of the world. That becomes the kingdom of God. The people came to Jesus and asked, Where's the key? when's the kingdom going to come? And Jesus said, it's not here for your observation, but it is here. Right? So those are the things as we continue through when Jesus talks about the kingdom. Up, upload all of that. And then, okay. What is Jesus trying to teach me here? How bad do I really want it? And while really rest in it? Pastor Kurt and I have been reading these parables for years. As many of you have been reading them for years. Guess what? Every time we... I bet, Pastor Kurt, you learn something new. We always learn something new about what God is trying to say to us through these parables. It's our job to keep seeking. Well, let me end with a, a final quote. 
This was a popular quote during the time of Jesus um, from the Talmud, which is just a big commentary on the scriptures. Um, it should be under Roman ripe. Um, so I'm wrong. It's it's the Midrash, which is part of the Talmud, but it's, it's sermon commentary. But they're telling themselves, when the kingdom of Rome has ripened enough to be destroyed, the kingdom of God will appear. So like a piece of fruit that has been left out, that's rotten, um, that has just sort of disintegrated, uh, no animal has eaten it, nobody has come, it's just disintegrated, and it's gone to seed. So when Rome has finally fallen under the weight of its own evil, then the kingdom of God will come. Is Jesus agreeing with that? Not at all. Jesus' message is that the kingdom, and we'll talk about this more, is happening right now. Even with the rotten fruit of Rome, the kingdom is coming. Uh, we'll, he'll talk about a mustard seed, you know, and we all get excited about the mustard seed, but the, the, the mustard seed is kind of like a weed in their gardens. It's the kind of plant that will take over. Actually, there's rules in the Talmud about don't plant too much mustard seed because it'll take over your whole field. Uh, so Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom, once it gets started, it, it, it's going to take over. It's going to do amazing things. Um, but don't we still kind of think this way today? If the bad guys are finally defeated, if the Death Star is finally blown up, if you know Putin is finally uh, thrown out of power, it would, whatever evil is going on in our world, we think there's got to be a big battle, and then Jesus can come and do his stuff. The Basora is that the kingdom is happening right now. Like Steve said, as hearts are changed inside, the kingdom is growing. Please understand how hard this was for people to hear in the midst of occupation. And think about this. When we think of the end of the world and Jesus coming back, do we think of big battles and defeats of secular armies and the defeat of evil? Now, I don't know how the world's going to end. I can point you to some scriptures, but I don't know for sure. Um, but we fall in the same boat, don't we? Oh, they just wanted a deliverer. And then we turn around to the end of the world and say, we just want a deliverer. Well, we want a lion. We want a lion who's going to kill. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I'm being very honest to connect to Jesus here. And Jesus saying, all right, guys, so we farm together. You plant seeds, you be faithful, and you be ready when I bring the harvest in. But don't think you know exactly what I'm going to do. Because I've got a lot of people and take a lot of choices and I bring a lot of good from a lot of evil. So you're probably not going to be able to follow me very easily. So today, as we go out, uh, let's plant seeds. Uh, honestly, let's do it. Uh, this same mustard seed, we haven't got to that yet, but the, the same idea that we're getting uh, the, the kingdom ready as we continue to talk about Jesus, that he's not a social activist, you know, he's not uh, uh, just some historical figure or uh, all this nonsense. He really was our king. He is our king. He's our God. And he's trying to show humanity what we're supposed to be. Nobody else has ever come close to doing what he's done. If we'll listen to him, not in a cookie cutter way, but the depths of what he's trying to say,
then the world really will begin to change. And this kingdom will not just be in heaven, like we pray, but it'll be here uh, amongst us. Questions? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to spend three years living in Ethiopia back in the early 70s. And that gave me an opportunity to a lot of good, deep study and interaction with, with Ethiopians who are Coptic Christians. Mm-hmm. And they, they use that term from the Midrash quite frequently as the forget it, forget it. That's not what Christianity is about. <laughs> what you just said, the two of you have just said, it starts here, and it's not going to be about when something has ripened enough to be destroyed because we want it to be destroyed from within. That's very good. It doesn't say go out and kill something, but it says go out and undo it. Mm-hmm. That's really good. It's really good. You still pray that those same prayers in 2,000 years ago. It's just That's good. That's very good. So has anybody else spent time in Ethiopia? Come on, you slackers. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you always can tell the petroleum people, because we really have been all over the world, amen? I mean, chances are somebody's been somewhere. So. Hey, it, it, the original Holy Land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's my family you're talking about. <laughs> that we plant that seed and that the Spirit will do the work in the background, but we would probably be ready to harvest to continue to do the work to help somebody when they find that if, if, if the, when the Spirit does that work, we just we just continue to do the work. We, we plant that seed and stay prepared. Good. Yeah, I, I would separate a convert from a disciple um, a little bit. I, I think we can share the word and, and then let God do his work. But when a person comes then to to grow and become a disciple, they're like a child, right, that Paul says. And, and you can't let a child raise themselves. Um, you know what that's called? A millennial. Um, and that's a bad thing. So you, you need help to, uh, to be a disciple. millennials in the room. Well, they need help too. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> comments? All right, let's pray. Father God, help us to get it as much as we can get it. We thank you this morning that you are more than us, that you can do what we cannot do, because on our heart of hearts, we still see our world slipping off a cliff. Things that you taught us thousands of years ago, we're forgetting. Kids are being raised in a way, O Lord, that is far from the life that you would have them to be raised in. And Father, we confess that we feel powerless as a church, as Christians, as fathers, as men, to reverse it. Our voices are not heard. And we don't know how to pull it back. That desperation comes, O Lord. 
And I want to get desperate. I want to fight. I want to destroy. I want to end. I want to tell people how wrong they really are. I pray your message today will come back to us. We're not to accept evil. We're not to tell the evil that they're doing a good job. But we are first and foremost to honor you, our King. And to know that you are not taking a vacation. You are not ignoring events. You watch the news the same as we do. And that your will is still being done. But it's being done in those hard places deep inside of us. As we head into Christmas this year, O oh Lord, may we continue to ask, will we see you? Will we be those in the scriptures that have enough of their souls open to see the movement of the Messiah, the King? Help us, O oh Lord, to be part this day of your kingdom and to see that your kingdom does not slip off a cliff. Your kingdom is that light that never goes out. Father God, we pray for our country. We pray for our world. May it return to your kingdom and never leave again. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, guys. Oh, wait. You don't have